Welcome back to the Spinner Rack, all of you new Eumaniacs, a.k.a. new Unifiles, here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We're your hosts, Andy, as well as Stephen, 78 weeks and 120 books in, about 2,740 pages, roughly. Dang. We will be recapping issues 12 to 18 of the remaining series from the new universe for you in this episode. That's 78 weeks of like comic book release time, not us podcasting, right? I think so. Yes, I didn't. <laughs> I think I calculated out the uh, weeks, like months to week or something. Hmm. Um. So after the first year and the annuals and the cancellations of half the line, there have been several other changes come to the lineup, the remaining four books. Although there's no more cancellations, there's unfortunately also no new series. And the books transitioned uh, over the course of this uh, time period significantly from their initial directions in some cases and or have gotten long-term creative teams and have led up to both a classical public superhero and a world-shaking disaster. So although it covered the same time frame as season two, season three had only half as many books per month. So uh, the total books covered 22, and it seems like it passed pretty quickly. We'll take a quick tour through the remaining books, all of which have changed a bit in one way or another. And um, I think most of which now seem to have a creative team that will take them to the end. Yeah, I can't complain about that, right? <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's talk about a few things and then go into each book right so we'll kind of divide up giving recaps and what we think about each individual series but before we get to that uh some of the some of the details of what's going on in this phase right like we made up our own idea that this is a season or a phase but it really does kind of work uh from after the annuals uh up until uh you know the pit really as, as a good stopping point um so Definitely some big differences from phase two to phase three, right? Um, first one comes to mind for me, which feels like maybe a, a simple, uh, but like Cyforce got a team shakeup, right? So that was one of the changes leave right after the annual uh, heading into like the new books. Like they lost Michael Crawley and gained Thomas Boyd, the Psy Stalker. Right. Yeah, that's uh, a significant change in um, personnel. They're changing location, maybe. Um, and I think that's all sort of reflected by the change in creative teams. Um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, tonal shifts as we go along. And there's uh, Books that had sort of slowly be, been changing in season two, like Spitfire and Merc, ended up, you know, canceled. And so those changes kind of ended up not being productive in a way. Right. Um, and I think compared to those, most of the books that were renewed um, had not changed so much over the, the course of season two. 
but now we're seeing, like you say, personnel changes, um, creative changes that are more significant. And I mean, it feels to me like they'd been sort of tweaking the ideas before a bit, trying to, you know, fine tune them to get to something they wanted. But now they're just going, you know, let's just uh, 180 this 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 puppy. Let's go. Yeah. Push the re reset button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not exactly like Crisis on Infinite New Universes, but it's uh, you'll see significant uh, differences um, in in story type. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, DC took like what fifty years before they had to hit a reset button. Like you can't do it after one. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's a little brief, I know. Um, new, new universe. <laughs> things move fast in the 80s, man. It's a go-go decade. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I would say, like, everybody had creative team shakeups except for DP7, obviously. Um, mostly that was just in the direction of, like, yeah, actually settling on a, a writer. And most of the time, a writer and an artist. Um, but, yeah, Cyforce didn't have a huge change uh, maybe a little bit in sort of tone and team. Uh, DP7, of course, didn't have major changes. You know, we'll talk about the comic individually in more detail. But, you know, if like in the beginning they've escaped, uh, they're on the run in kind of our, our season two, like six to 12, they are starting to get split up and like divided and captured. And like this session in DP7 is like, all right, back in the clinic. Uh running things essentially uh how is it going to go from there uh whereas justice and starbrand had huge changes i guess yeah i think we've well let's see the the dp7 it's it's all sort of internal so you have yeah the creative team the same the the basic uh characters and and you know uh, where they're at and what they're doing has, has sort of shifted from, yeah, like being on the run or fighting the clinic to trying to be, um, you know, the establishment, let's say, instead of the rebels. And right. uh, so that that's, you know, it gave, it gives some, some fresh angles to a lot of things. Um, the, as far as we can tell, the teams or the creators, at least the writers, are going to stick with these books for the next foreseeable future. So, um, and we're all pretty happy with them at this point. I think we, you know, seeing a few issues from them. Um, Three out of four ain't bad. Oh, I, yeah, I forget. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's always you know, bad one somewhere. Um, even. Good creative teams can turn in, well, undesirable uh, directions sometimes. Um, so uh, some of those, yeah, criticisms that the new universe had gathered in its first year, I would say have been addressed. And they've been trying to find like something that'll go forward and you know keep these books afloat, maybe bring more success to them. But uh, I don't know. It's... Uh, uh, never like well they they yeah. throw out a special so uh, you know i don't want to say they never gave like new books so i guess the right. it is new i don't know honestly uh, that might have been sort of their best chance to a degree like 
you know, it's hard to imagine like once you're at like, you know, unless you have a really long ongoing like story, like Spider-Man or something like that, like it's going to be hard to like regenerate interest in it and like boom, boost sales. I think like, like if you made a super popular writer and threw it on Spider-Man, you know, you might get a bunch more sales for these. Probably their best bet would have been maybe to like knock a series off and then start something new something kind of fresh like within the new universe but a new set of characters or a new creative team like if they were really trying to keep this thing rolling it, it might have been better than uh you know what they ended up doing with the big events and large tonal shifts that's just a guess right like they write that righted the ship but maybe tried to course correct a little too much but yeah maybe that's a maybe discussion was... for the end but yeah, it's uh not that you mentioned it. The, if the pit was better received, if if people are thinking, I wonder what's going on with this, and it was something they picked up and they were like, "Wow, I've got to get check this out." Right. So, yeah. If like if it was... had like little clips of all the characters, like <laughs> you know, try and use it as a draw people in kind of thing. Like here's this unique thing. It's like bookshelf format slash what we call graphic novel now yeah, yeah. You know, hmm. could have okay. served a little bit of a origin or even if it was a bit of a where are they now with the canceled characters or something yeah yeah good points we got a tiny bit of that but <laughs> um so yeah that gives us our, our, our we had a big crossover event and that was um I don't know if we'd call it led up to because it was, well, it's all very strange. I mean, we'll get yeah. into the details in a bit, but it's not like, you know, there were clues laying around that something was going to build up um, in this direction, really. There was... Uh, Except for the ads. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the within the books themselves, things are fine. Uh, the ads are very <laughs> ominous. And if you read the uh, Marvel Age interviews and things, there's also pretty um, ominous. Um, but it's not like, um, I don't know, I was just listening to something about the um, Heroes Reborn and whatever the Onslaught crossover that was just before that and all kinds of things where like Oof. you start getting, yeah, I know, okay, well, it's not, not <laughs> a great example, but you get like, characters you know worried about something and there's like something on the horizon that you can see and maybe someone they can fight yeah instead of kind of a more like a force of nature in some ways it was like a natural disaster more than like you know dr doom and you know his agenda comes true or they unleash you know yeah hell on earth or something well i mean if we're thinking about marvel crossovers like in the same era they had like fall of the mutants we see a lot of advertising for that in this era which caused a lot of like forced stories i think across marvel comics of like all right this guy's fighting a mutant exterminator guy for some reason and this is like doesn't really add up to much um whereas something like inferno which is in, again in kind of a similar era like New York City goes weird and magical and demon-like kind of thing. And and so, you know, it makes sense to cross over with everything. Uh, the Pit was interesting, and, and we talked about it in our uh, Pit review, 
um, that you know the event was not quite as interesting as the crossover issues. Usually, I dread in modern comics the crossover issues, the the extra stories that interrupt the ongoing. But in this case, you know they were actually done really well. Where the the main crossover was a little dull. Mm. So it was a weird yeah. event in that place. I'm like, here's the big event, and I had never read the pit before. I was kind of excited, and then I was like, okay, yep, these people are talking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's sometimes difficult, even when they seem excited about a, something in new in Marvel Age. By the time it gets out, you're like, oh, okay. yeah, and then yeah, I, I guess. It kind of gave it given away in an ad for like one of those comic book sales companies where it's kind of talking about the new universe becoming more dystopian. Mm. Right. Yeah. And like maybe we're getting hints of that in the book. Well, I mean, the pit, obviously, that's like apocalyptic, but only in a self-contained area. It's not like the world has gone to hell just yet. Yeah, but I mean, it does. uh I don't know. It's it's sort of interesting looking back and comparing it to the real world disasters we have had in the like intervening years, and uh, the sort of uh, you know you know what what I guess we're we're steering towards, which is more generalized uh, militarization and societal breakdown. I guess um, you're saying we've learned nothing since 1987. I know. <laughs> We still blame the Russians and yeah, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, it all comes pretty uh, like uh, the news hasn't changed that much, oddly enough. But um, the idea that um, people of people having superpowers, I think, was more um, optimistic in certainly like Golden Age and Silver Age comic books. And Bronze Age, I think they sort of minimized powers a bit. Like it was more like martial arts and things like that. Right. It was um, a little more like street level y kind of things. Right. Um, so now we've got, I don't know, the, what people may call the Dark Age or something. And you've got still think comics are thinking, okay powers but you know what would that really look like in the real world and whereas the initial you know real world um, idea was more optimistic i mean people were kind of unhappy with having their powers sometimes but um it still sort of opened up possibilities to them now it seems like the curtain is getting darker and like powers inevitably ends with the world oh ouch that's yeah. yeah. Could have could have gone differently. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. the, the beginning of the series was like, you got powers, look out for the CIA. You don't <laughs> want to be anywhere near the CIA. <laughs> right now we're like, okay. We, we we were almost thinking, you know, almost again, like Starbrand was kind of like the uh guiding force a little bit, like the must-read, you know, for better or for worse. And it's like a superhero now and like maybe we're excited about this people like superheroes and then like a superhero blows up everybody <laughs> maybe we're taking a darker turn on uh, how the world is going to view our paranormals in the new universe <laughs> but i mean should we do our uh what is your favorite moment of 
this chunk of new universe oh goodness What's i picked out two but i'm really curious do you need time to stall to think about yeah. it yeah you want um, me to go first let me make the like uh stretch it out motion here okay this is an audio only podcast of course okay that helps a lot yeah i I struggled i'll I'll tell you my backup one i I think i feel like to honestly answer like you can't really punt and like pick three favorites or one favorite from each comic that feels like cheating um and i tried not to think about it too much too it's just like all right what stuck with me what what is the most interesting piece and um actually ended up with uh, Starbrand 10 when Ken launches Gladiator into space. And we can talk about that in the recap and then realizes like, okay, I just doomed this guy to an eternity of floating through space because he's probably immortal. <laughs> uh, and that that hit hard. Like I think in the review, it wasn't like the best comic ever, but like I remembered that. I remember liking it, like still reading it again, like it really sticks with me. And uh, it's funny because it was like a fill-in writer basically. And so on my notes, I wrote Gladiator launched into space. And then followed that with along with all of my hopes and dreams for this comic book, because that's the last moment I remember quite enjoying of Starbrand. But womp womp. Oh, beautiful. You, yeah, you need me to get my second one? Are you still stalling for time? Still stalling. Okay. <laughs> my okay. second one, which I think stood out, and, and although I felt like it should have been like Justice or something, is uh, when Rod Stavow blew up the Clint, the sanctuary like Mm. i think that was a real memorable impactful thing because it just came out of nowhere i hadn't read the book before it's just like oh okay (laughs) everyone got blown up (laughs) yeah that one uh i think i'd I'd seen some something like spoiling it for me before um but it was uh yeah left field that's i mean you've got a a safe house or something you've got at least you know colby this woman who's supposed to be like a mentor to them and the whole sort of setup as a um more high school teen runaway thing is kind of kicked out and they're like uh on their own on the road Uh, it's like that last uh harry potter movie where it's like oh you're not gonna be in school anymore you're you're on the run yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not a great example because that was really the downer. But anyway, I don't know. What is my favorite moment? The person I is always talking about is what he likes in the new universe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, maybe that last issue of Justice, number eighteen, where he is uh, the like the things he goes through to save a baby. Mm. Um, so when you say your favorite moment is when he saved the baby or didn't save that little girl like that was a that was yeah i mean that little girl honestly looks like uh you know my my daughter (laughs) too so much that it's maybe that's why that like stays with me like and like and then she's just flown away in the hurricane oh Oh, crap crap. (laughs) um Whatever it is, the uh, the the that like, it's still weird to me because that they the the pit 
you know, they had such strange physics that they described in it where it's like everything suddenly a vacuum and the air rushing in is like what you mostly see as the destructive force right. in a couple of the books. Um, so it, okay. It, uh, but it works with justices like I'll do anything to get the job done uh, attitude. And which I always like, but this was like a real, like, I don't know, it's kind of putting him out there in such a strange position and having to use his powers just on the fly, like, you know, making things up like, oh, let me turn the shield around myself. Let me do this. Let me try that. It's one of the few times that he fails as well, too. So they're through the writers they've still they've done a nice job keeping him as kind of like a force of nature that generally gets the job done except There's for something... keeping little girls alive apparently though that's his one weakness <laughs> the uh well anyway let's uh let's see should we dip, dip on in and get started with the star brand to recap yeah a mere three issues <laughs> oh I'm not sure if you would call the pit a star brand extra issue. Probably mm-hmm. not. No, it's more of a Spitfire extra issue. Yeah. And so Starbrand had gone bi monthly after six, we'll say. So it's been uh coming out very slowly for a while. And um to go back over our original um intro text. Starbrand. Every man Ken Connell was given a power called the Starbrand under mysterious circumstances. Wanting to help others, but also afraid to expose himself, Connell struggles to grow up and find use for the brand's unlimited power while dating many, many available women. Um, So the issues, as we alluded to earlier, number 10 was another um, one-off with... um, a, a Randy Kellogg was a American who suddenly became denser all the time and had found his way to Russia uh, where driven by the sort of um, well <laughs> patriotic fervor of the moment yeah <laughs> um, he he was uh, thinking he would take the fight straight to Moscow Um and Ken was uh, forced to stop him, even though this is still Cold War uh, Soviet Union, which I don't think you you kind of appreciate as much um, reading it now, even. Like mm-hmm. we say, you know, there's a little more tens- tension with Russia than there was in, say, between 1992 and 2020, maybe. Right. Um, at which point you're just like, oh, yeah, he goes into Russia. And, you know, sure, he's trying to stop a war. But if you're Ken and, you know, who's also sort of uh, surrounded by the same, um, I don't know, propaganda, I guess we had at the time of like evil empire. And, you know, if only we could stop them. then it, it's more of a moral dilemma than I think we really got into that, like. Ken is not just like stopping someone from killing some random other country people. He's stopping him them from killing someone who we kind of think of as this ultimate enemy. Right. And it's really only the threat of like ultimate nuclear war being provoked by this. That is kind of the 
uh, worse case um, that he's trying to avoid. Yeah, I, I remember I would say that issue has a really strong like concept and story, uh, though it was a little weak in execution, but yeah, it's uh I mean I really like the gladiator character as, as he was kind of like a lunkhead, but you know, yeah. his physical powers kind of matched that and just being sort of unstoppably strong, but but it's just like it's just a clever idea too. It's just one of those superpowers with a real downside though like you can't live your normal life as that guy so what are you going to do right wait until you sink into the core of the earth when you've become so <laughs> dense or you know do one last thing and you know there you and i guess still sink into the core of the earth but from moscow <laughs> <laughs> maybe ken did him a favor i don't know <laughs> yeah Just could have put uh, him it's... into orbit at least gave him something to look at yeah, I I mean it's a uh, kind of a nightmare where it ends up with, but I, I don't know. I mean, they it was one of the few times you actually had a character that wasn't the old man that was fighting, but that was nevertheless like a reasonable um, opponent. You know, something. Right. It's not like um, just fighting a mirror of yourself or someone with the same powers. It's anyway, it's not much different power. So you have to sort of think your way around it. And, um, but it's, it's a reasonable kind of a paranormal, whatever that the guy was doing this in the first place. Right. Yeah. Is it the last first and last issue of the season where Ken gets to use his superpowers to do much? <laughs> Well, I guess good, he does a little bit in 12, but a little bit, but it's, uh, yeah, that's the funny thing. As we get on, there was the big change was the new creative team joined in number, uh, 11. And that's where John Byrne took, so take over, uh, the title, both writing and, uh, penciling, or at least breakdowns. And, um, is it Tom Morgan? Maybe name with that. Um, the uh um palmer tom palmer sorry the the changes to the title <laughs> were immediate um and those were mostly the changes to ken connell the character um yeah. from being a a sort of uh every man who could you know be clever when he needed to be and was mostly kind of trying to think of a way to to you know be a positive uh force for good um ken in 11 becomes let's say moody and withdrawn and is uh gets a few lectures from both duck and myron that he should actually just go public he should become a costumed superhero um and he he does he does so someone finally um and you know outs themselves as a paranormal in the new universe which we've been kind of waiting for for a while right we have you know people sort of with faced with irrefutable evidence that there is this you know strange paranormal power out there that people have it and you know can confronted with a a world that's not quite as scientifically rigorous as it was the day before. All of that's kind of interesting, but also curiously kept off screen. 
Yeah. <laughs> so whenever Ken is like uh, doing super powered activities, he's like saving uh, an airliner from terrorists or saves a bus full of children from something. We'll sort of hear about it as from a news report, but we never follow Ken as he's doing these things and um, sort of watch it. Hey, don't forget about that exciting couple of pages where he moved the lunar lander from the moon to the White House lawn. That's very true. I keep wanting to forget that. And there's never really any follow-up with that, too. Like I, I feel like they were building to some interesting threads. Like, okay, so what is the United States president going to do about a superhero that's an American, right? CIA, do something, right? Let's recruit this guy. Let's you know, all this kind of stuff and then they had um the end of the comic where it was the guy you know who was just like barely on panel and with myron and you know knows that ken connell is star brand you know and that was kind of like all right we're building new threads of story um right, right. i feel a bit like that was done before uh before they decided to do the pit thing yeah, we were thinking this was like set up for several months of storylines of like Ken fighting with people in Washington who who have that nefarious purposes, people trying to, um, well, blackmail him to use their his power for their purpose. Uh, you know, possibly Duck and Myron and who knows what girls that Ken would come into contact with from. Uh, being a public superhero you know yeah or even just the basics of like what happens to you as a public superhero you know like the the new universe realistic take on that you know yeah so we get a bit of that in 12 where they they <laughs> uh the marvel bullpen starts making fun of him but uh mm. okay a little inside baseball but uh nevertheless so in issue 12 here it comes. I mean, we had one issue of setup, and then the, the I guess the the punchline in twelve. Um, Ken is um, well. I don't know. First off, it starts with Duck like leaving Pittsburgh. She's super upset, pregnant, and when she told Ken, was completely dismissed, basically. Uh, so Ken has definitely taken a heel turn here. Remember, Duck knows his secret identity all along, and in fact gave him his superhero costume. But right, okay, Ken. Um, Ken goes to a super uh, comic book convention where, jo again, John Byrne, Mark Gruenwald, and Howard Mackey, or their stand-ins, kind of give him a hard time. That, uh, you know, disguising yourself as a superhero is actually a terrible idea in the real world. And they didn't think anyone would be dumb enough to try it. Um, so then the old man attacks Ken and he fight in the midst of a whole convention, um, probably killing the uh, Marvel uh, creative crew at the time. Um Ken wakes up at Myron's. He had been um, 
transformed into one like the creature the alien creatures he'd seen before and he had now sort of a weird hybrid consciousness with the old man so he knew the secrets of the old man which was that the old man had created the white event by trying to get rid of the star brand and that um he was a you know several hundred year old man who had obtained this star brand from we still don't know where right <laughs> that's an explanation i don't know um the the uh final part of that story leaves ken uh thinking he is going to try to get rid of himself of the star brand by putting it instead of uh out in space and causing another white event he'll just go uh somewhere and put it into a barbell um and instead of going like to the moon as myron suggested um this goes up a few miles and blows up pittsburgh completely for about 50 miles across uh sphere of complete devastation and that's where we left ken and the crew as we saw in uh, some of the other books, Ken was probably not killed in that. So we'll see where the star brand goes from here. Mm. But, <laughs> oh my goodness, what worked in all of this? Well, like we saw, said uh, issue 10 was a decent self-contained, you know, here, here's the Ken Connell you've been reading, reacting to a, uh, situation and a, a paranormal that's powerful maybe he's the only guy who can solve this problem um pretty decent story um what worked i'll tell you what worked nothing nothing worked <laughs> I, I mean john byrne is you know coming off of superman at this point he's uh his artistic chops are are fine um he definitely gives ken a much more brutish appearance i don't know yeah. and the uh hmm, well what was the problem uh the storyline the characterization um sort of railroading char- characters into this situation Ken had been warned several times, and in fact, even in that issue, that like right. try putting Starbrand into thing, thing blows up. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of like we have the end goal in mind, the pit. How are we going to get there? Make our character stupid. And uh, I mean, it's not, you know, if you'd had issues of. Uh, I'm worried about the power, the power getting out of hand, or I'm worried about someone else, what they could do with the power or something like that. I don't know. But you're you're left thinking this is pretty abrupt, I would say. Um, yeah, especially with the bi-monthly thing, so, whereas we just don't get much going on. That's true. It's, yeah. And just not, and we mentioned it already, but just not showing any superheroics at all on panel in this book or on in other books, like, just seems like a waste. 
Yeah, it's so been it so much like time when Starbrand outed himself and like would show up places to get people like applaud, or is everyone like right. inspired? Yeah. I don't know. We and don't like know. The, there's long, there's long recap in eleven, and then there's more recap in twelve, and we're just recapping the the old man story constantly. A lot of Whereas talking we, heads there, yeah. For for a John Byrne art, you know. If you got why why just fill up pages with word balloons instead of you know doing stuff yeah don't know yeah. i guess i will recorrect what worked is duck is still alive <laughs> duck duck is still charming we think uh, we think she's yeah. still alive she's a lot she wasn't killed in the pit yet right uh, <laughs> i think um i mean Barb and her kids, really? Right. Ken's whole family, really. If Barb had like been the one to recognize him, you know, mm. I had noticed I recognized that bulge anywhere. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> like that would have led to some interesting story. As like she kind of pieces together, like for real, he he was always too scared to t- tell her the truth of why he was so flaky all the time, kind of thing. But if, if she was like a sympathetic uh, character that like could potentially out him, you know, that would have been interesting. Uh, but yeah, we, we just lost the, the good times, man. The dating the many, many, the many women part. Many women. Yeah. Where yeah. they at? <laughs> He's not ogling uh, anybody anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. It, it, the potential of Starbrand will remain unrealized for a while. Um, where it was going was this sort of uh, young man getting growing and, you know, maybe figuring out a pathway to being, if not a hero, at least a responsible adult. Um, and where it's going now is just like <laughs> uh, smoke and hole in the ground. I don't know. Yeah, I think where it's going now is, you know, the addition of the word the, right? So, this, I mean, it's hard to separate prior knowledge a little bit, but, you know, in the little interviews and stuff, it's like, okay, now it's not star brand, it's the star brand. So we're following the power, not the guy anymore. Yeah, there was a, let's say, some like Marvel Age hints of future was that it was, yeah, the power. So we would see how other people use the power, you know, if it's given to them, which is the sort of thing that might have been interesting if it had been given to like Tad Selby or something. Mm, right. um, and I think you, you find more saw, Tad Selby. Oh, uh, well, I didn't say that was perfect, but um, <laughs> it could, I mean, I think that it was an interesting idea that I I, I got to admit probably comes from that uh, untold tales of the new universe star brand that like that, that was like the only time um, that I saw like them, them talking about like, oh, on other worlds, the star, you know, different people have different results from the star brand. One of them becomes a musician. One of them becomes a politician or something. I don't know. But, you know, that. Uh, are we going to see something like that big? I don't think so. Yeah. Interesting, though, that it is like the only like the only really new universe bit that is still 
being put into modern Marvel comics, you know? So, I mean, that's far flung in the future from here, but there's versions of star brand showing up in Avengers books and such. But Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, star brand is always weird because it's a, um, so overpowered compared to the other new universe, uh, characters mostly. Um, I mean, if you think DC has like Superman and, you know, then these others who kind of do things, but, right, you know, it's like, but Superman could just do it himself. Right. <laughs> you get a bit of that with Star Wars. Just Brand. as smart as Batman, just as fast as the Flash. Why do I hang be... out with you guys? I don't even know. Um. So, yeah, the, the future of it is, well, it'll continue to do. Um, explore the star brand and i don't know thoughts i was gonna something came up to me the other day was um i don't know if you ever read a fantasy series called the chronicles of thomas covenant the unbeliever i would say no so it's one of the few things i i've read where the it's like a, a fantasy um you know medieval fantasy kind of thing where they tell this guy that he has this amazing power. And not only is he like not know how to use it, but he's like afraid to use it. Mm. So he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't do this. And apparently if you try, if I tried to do it, I might break the world in half or something. Mm. And so this is, I don't know if this is like a seventies thing that was, uh, I don't know, post, uh, cold war whatever um fear of of nuclear war hanging us over us all but um that that idea that like um yeah the, the power you were given is much more dangerous than than really anyone should have and that like you're more likely to destroy everyone you care about than uh save a bus full of kids or something but yeah and i would say like if you got the star brand and your abilities are being more or less invulnerable and like exploding with energy right you know he's got strength and stuff too it's like I, I would say it's perfectly reasonable option to not use it right <laughs> you know like yeah i, I think earlier in the earlier issues dealt with and like what happens when you use the power you know when, you, when you're trying to do classic superheroics kind of stuff but like i would i would still think it's it's still perfectly viable to just not right like accept the fact that you're not the best judge for how to use infinite power <laughs> and just sit on the sidelines you know like i think that that there's not a totally unreasonable way to handle having a ridiculous power you know not becoming some sort of tyrant or something, you know. Fair enough. But anyway. <sighs> okay, overall. so if we're overall rating the series, are we overall rating the last couple of th this season's worth of series or the whole series? Uh my thought was this uh the season's worth of seri this ah. series. Okay, good. That's Which what I was That's what I was thinking. I can't give, yeah, at, at this point, things have changed so much. I can't even put these things together. I don't know what we'll do at the end of the whole uh, project, but uh, yeah, whatever you got, what do you say? 
in my overall GPA. Do you graduate New Universe? Um, I gave Starbrand a C. Okay. Yeah, it, it was largely disappointing. It's like the kid that doesn't live up to his potential. Like, you know, he could do it if he just did the homework and maybe read the book a little bit, but it just doesn't and ends up working at Walmart. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, I wish I. That sounds so far fetched, except I see it every day. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Let me think. Maybe C is fair. I, I I was pretty generous for the last individual issue, given that the um, I didn't critic critique the uh, character consistency, perhaps mm. as, as factor that in as much as I guess I have in, in the past. I I was just on the basis of like, is this a readable issue? Okay. Yeah. But I think this is the point where I would say the direction this is taken, well high in quality of like you know art and writing is undercut by some i don't know i i you know and the direction has just gone way too dark and they've lost they've cut off like i don't want to begin to talk about like all the you know potential things they could have done um this sort of isolated superhero in this rust belt town you know right. i don't know it's it's so yeah c c is fine i don't want to get like dump on it even more than this but as you can tell i mean it's like 80s john Byrne. this should look great this should be great you know it, it almost makes it more frustrating when you get yeah, right it should be great talented yeah. and could it do a good I would say it's still kind of recommended reading, like whereas like some of those in-between issues, like you could skip and not really miss out on like the new universe experience, like kind of the season two. Uh, some of that was a bit forgettable. Uh, whereas this, I feel like you got to read it and see what's going on in the new universe. I'm not sure if that will be the case going forward, if he's if the title is still going to be like a big shakeup kind of title, but you know, you still kind of got to read it if you want to read the new universe, but um... it's true. But it also kind of points out the, I think the benefits for doing it this way, where we, we re- reading all the books kind of gives us the pace of the, of the new universe and uh, the you know width and breadth of it. Yeah. I think, you know, we both like separately had tried reading the star brand in isolation a few years back and been like, frustrated by it because of some of this like sudden twist and turns it takes and not seeing you know the two months of issues of other books that are coming out in the meantime yeah Um, but yeah it's still for it it retains its title as flagship in some ways right but i can eat the lima beans if like every couple of bites i get some mac and cheese too you know so i can read my star brand and get through it if i get justice and dp7 after and such i would say there's also a thing of um people were always asking about the es people over in dp7 or something (laughs) there's no like analogy to that in star brand people weren't like oh when's duck gonna get her own title or anything Mm. Though we did have the epic line, don't throw away the duck. This is true. But it's not as expansive in the way of like a a real 
like Superman itself would spin out Superboy, Supergirl, Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So it's definitely time to talk Cyforce now. Um, so Cyforce had many issues. We we covered issues 13 through 18. Uh, our blurb for Cyforce, if you don't recall the old the good guys, is uh, avoiding trouble from street gangs and government agents. A group of psychic teenage paranormal runaways is bound together by a psychic entity called the Cyhawk, who they resent and fear and occasionally even shows up sometimes. But not too often. Uh, Wayne, Tyrone, Kathy, Stasi, and Michael, uh, or Thomas, uh, they have no name for themselves, but Proudhawk called them Cyforce. It's starting to stick. A few mentions of Cyforce. <laughs> yeah, so um, trying uh, a lot of issues to recap, so we probably won't spend a lot of time on any one particular issue, but um you know the big change was previous season so michael crawley decided he was gone uh Cy, the cyhawk decided he can only handle five teenagers which is a lot of teenagers so he's like the dad who's just like if he too many kids in the house he's just gonna go berserk and try and kill everybody i mean this is a relatable concept i'm sure i got two teenagers and it's difficult <laughs> uh, the cyhawk cannot handle six and is going berserk on a uh, monthly <laughs> basis. It's pretty handleable. Monthly's not bad. Like that's not bad at all. I got some good solid days there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, issue thirteen was the return of Serge Vladimirov, and where you you know quite realistically, I would say, was trying to recapture Stasi. Like if you want to steal a paranormal, the one that can heal everybody and cure cancer maybe uh and keep everybody alive would be the one to steal um and we had a nice issue there where like the whole crew cyforce really acted as a team and you know took out the russians and kind of escaped scott free still no skipper but they they got away um skip and, free we'll call it skip free <laughs> and the whole season has been skip free uh, in 14, we had another sort of interesting issue. Uh, Tyrone's body gets kidnapped. So we had like somebody who's been stalking and watching them kidnaps Tyrone to try and do something. But his kidna- code name is not Stalker, ironically. No, right. <laughs> but because they wanted Tyrone's ghost form to do corporate espionage, which is interesting. Um, and uh, Thomas, I loved him in this episode because he was like super effective he's like all right i got this and he goes off on his own and like takes out the entire team of bodyguards at this guy's mansion and just you know mops the floor with them threatens some children like it's great um though the rest of the team was a little (laughs) less enthusiastic about him um it's like yeah suddenly you got um Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible on your team, and he's like, "Right, <laughs> you're a little intense, Tom Cruise. You're a little intense. Take it down a notch, there, buddy. We can do yeah. it. Grab your frisbee. Let me train you. Let's go, 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 go." <laughs> Indeed. Um, Fifteen, you know, gave us what actually happened to Michael. Like he was the youngest guy. He hitchhiked. And just about found his way to the clinic. 
um, before he got inter interrupted by some criminals who decided to use him to explode things. Um, it was kind of a funny issue uh, as far as things went, uh, but also a DP7 crossover. So we, we had been promised some crossover and we finally started to get it there. Um, so yeah, DP7 was, uh, I mean, it was all kind of from his point of view and he's, he's, uh, yeah, really put off by DP7. They're not <laughs> uh, completely, you know, like 100% as portrayed in their own book. But um, like I say, you get the feeling it's like through this young boy's eyes, they're kind of more terrifying. And even Scuzz is like sophisticated and off-putting. And Yeah. <laughs> But it definitely set up for Michael then eventually joining DP7, which is cool. Like, like that's exactly what I would have wanted to happen. I think, like, it's it's like let's not just throw out the character or have him, you know, show up, you know, later, you know, as like a grizzled outdoorsman or something. <laughs> you know, haven't been back to civilization in thirty years. <laughs> yeah, he ends up on the DD teams. So, there, there. He has trouble helping out there because his again his power is exploding things. <laughs> so you don't want to. So, I think I also enjoyed that it was like DP Seven um, had been fighting the clinic for so long, but then when they took it over, it still looked evil to other people. To uh, you know, when people right. came there, what are yeah. you doing to me? Ah! There were uh, you wrecked their MRI machine, if I remember right. Yeah, I, I was just looking through that. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> There's a half million dollars up in smoke. Financial downfall. Sponge can only be so rich, right? I mean, geez. Um, and I, I think from there, it kind of started to transition into uh, Fabian Nicieza's vision a little bit more, you know, where things have been kind of moving back and forth a little bit. Then it kind of got to uh, Nicieza kind of officially taking over. Um, so the the issue 16 introduced uh was it the foundation you know another one of these vague terms the sanctuary the clinic the foundation we're running out of them i suppose um and you know again this is sort of like maybe started as hey maybe these guys are going to be helpful um uh, though you know the audience kind of knew in reading it that you know maybe they, they don't have our poor psi forces uh you know best interests in mind as far as that goes um but it was kind of a, another good action issue like it had the oh what, what was the tie-in that it was it was the pop culture reference i forget the film oh buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension uh right the uh, uh characters seem to be the john lithgow character in that um, yeah that's right um and so yeah, again, sort of like, you know, maybe these guys are going to help. Uh, they end up you know, having their own, you know, interests in mind, you know, so kind of doing what we would have expected out of the CIA or something like that. Uh, and I had kind of this cool ending where, you know, they all break out and then Wayne maybe kind of goofs up, you know, giving a mental command, you know, next time you think about us, think again. You know, which you know, sets this poor Lithgow character into like a mind loop of like unable to uh, break out of. Oh wait, it's these kids. Uh, what? Okay, wait, these kids. What? Okay, these kids. <laughs> so he just killed the poor guy. <laughs> well, he's not dead, but you know, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it looks like Wayne's powers can last for a significant amount of time. So there we go. That guy will be stuck for a while. Mm. Foundation was interesting as a, like, um, possible threat, possible, you know, one of these um, mega corpse that you're, you know, is studying you and maybe you wants to use you, but they don't seem like obviously evil. I mean, you're kept in a nice dormitory and yeah. <laughs> and everything is, I mean, they're, they're actual, actual doctors using actual machines to study you. So it's, you know, it's got a, uh, a little more ambiguity over, you know, what they were doing. It's not like the KGB grabs you and is like, you know, blows something up or will kill your family or something. They're just right. whatever. Um, yeah, that's also where um, Nicieza had ta- had written a couple of issues before that, but that's where uh, Ron Lim starts on art. And it's a very much more 90s looking style. Really yeah, ahead of its time, I think we said. <laughs> yeah, interesting. There. Which is, yeah, a little different if we're still actually in the eighties and like the new universe does still kind of feel decidedly 1980s, but, um, but yeah, that that kind of kicks off like a big change from the next two issues. So, you know, they do a lot of setup then. So we get introduced to Rod Stavow, uh, this weird, crazy, perhaps you know ridiculously powerful and dangerous russian character you know who's still mostly mysterious um he had kind of taken over like the russian government version of what the clinic kind of would be um you know they've been uh trying to you know catch and manipulate and use paranormals to a degree but this guy was so powerful he was just like melting them and such um also set up um a fight with the medusa web characters so like a separate group uh which again is still mostly mysterious at this point maybe they're kind of like a mercenary squad we find out later in 18 um and you know they have a throwdown where uh we get introduced to a bunch more paranormals basically you know troublemaker and imprint you know these sort of odd paranormals who are like strangely good at beating up our cyforce teens um and then Not sort of very very um run-of-the-mill powers just sort of like odd powers but cl- you know interesting ways of using them right like that i'm still a little confused that bendy limb guy is such an effective fighter you know yeah i mean they don't have uh like super strength or speed he's kind of fast i don't know it's a um it's one of these things where it's like they say it's it's effective to be quadruple jointed or something you're just kind of okay uh let's just go with it okay let's yeah (laughs) suspense and disbelief thing yeah Um, like i would it probably be actually more effective to just hold a baseball bat right (laughs) like (laughs) that might trump that guy's whole power set i don't know (laughs) Um, but you know we're kind of introducing new characters you know that issue 17 ends with the sanctuary kaboom uh, which then sends our characters into mystery limbo land basically 
Um, we get issue 18. Wayne is all of a sudden in Seattle. We don't know how he got there. Uh, he's got a new girl uh, who, may, who also has some paranormal abilities. You know, uh, Tyrone is just a ghost. You know, his body was recovered, but he's all burnt up. Uh, there's an annoying reporter character. <laughs> Uh, was it Andrew Chaser or something like that? That's right. Yeah, seems yeah. to be a, um, a interesting supporting cast coming. Yeah, uh, so it, so it's really kind of built up like a setup. You know, it, it feels a little bit like an X Men kind of thing, where like, all right, so we got this going on, this going on, this going on, and here's this character who's kind of mysterious, right? So we got a lot of things to look forward to, or or maybe a lot of uh, possibilities moving forward. Um, though the team is still kind of all split up so yeah this is really i don't know like the the you go um you're watching a show and then like another season starts and they there's big cast changes there's like you, something behind the scenes and it's like it's not so much a comedy now it's like a crime drama or something you're like wait is this the same sort of kind of um in yeah this case, like it, the characters like, got older and so yeah it's mostly like yeah the the like you're all gonna graduate from high school and now they're like out doing i don't know more more hmm. um action movie stuff so you would uh, say this is the this is the saved by the bell the college years of comic books <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was trying to think of like when Buffy went to college. It kind of sucked, so I don't know. I didn't bring that up. But... <laughs> it kills everybody going to college. I uh, don't know what it is about American pop culture. You can always set you know TV shows or movies in high schools, but you set them in colleges, it's death. <laughs> Better to just leave. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, this is anyway, too much to do. Yeah. That's true. You've got um, so big kind of um, you know, changing gears as as we go, um, and they are yeah like it feels like they're out of school now, kind of uh, leveled up a bit. Yeah, I would I would say one of the things that worked is we finally broke away from the we had kind of a continuing story, but there's a lot of one and done kind of issues. So like we finally got to the point where, you know, we're we're building stuff, right? You know, changes are happening, right? I, I was thinking that we were going to be going away from the clinic and that didn't happen until late. Um, but, you know, I feel like we have a, a solid ongoing story. Yeah. Uh, the, the new um, Medusa web that they're fighting. I don't know if we'll see this foundation again. It, it's not out of power, I guess, but right. um, the the only thing was that um, we never sort of wrapped up the last uh, major villain we had for the first year. So what happened to Derek Shining Star? <laughs> He'd sent some killers after Thomas in uh, the annual. I think that was the last time we saw him. Yeah, maybe Skipper got him. <laughs> He's <laughs> taking him out behind the scenes skipper's the ninja we were all waiting for the whole time <laughs> he was the one that rescued uh oh shoot what's his face uh in spitfire and the troubleshooters the ninja pops in through the window 
<laughs> Why you don't believe me that that was his girlfriend, um, <laughs> Bhakti Arun Bhakti, right? Steelhawk, Steelhawk, yes, yes, Steelhawk. Don't lose my memories of Steelhawk getting <laughs> rolled. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, what did happen to Derek Shining Star? I wonder if that's just going to get dropped because it was, you know, not a Nisieza plotline or, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's like mean, third in line for trying to get these kids. It's, uh, I don't know if, uh, we'll ever get back to him. It seems like, um, you know, they don't have to, to wrap up old lines before they start new ones. So, Maybe you know that's like an actual editorial thing. Like, and you want me to like wrap up everything so no one you know needs to keep reading the book? Oh, absolutely not. No, absolutely. Right, not. right. <laughs> Just better to throw in all this new stuff. And if we ever have time to a quiet moment, we'll like wrap something up. But yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I mean, these were. Like you say, usually self-contained. I don't know if they're great jumping on points, but not bad, you know. I, you can probably pick them up if you were looking for a kind of a fun team book and kind of figure it out as you go along. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard to pick it up from even like 13 or 14 or something like that. Just, you know, I, I don't think there's any good reason to skip the the first 12 of the series or anything like that, but... Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be hard at this point to just start reading it and and figure it out pretty quick and start enjoying the series. All right. Um, so overall rating for the series. Hmm. You want me to go first again? I'm always forcing you to do that. Uh, You're I don't stealing know. all my B, ideas. B plus. I yeah. mean, I'm usually at least enjoying it, and occasionally. You know, rises above my expectations. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I said B plus. Um, I think it's got a lot of what you want in comic books. Like, you know, it's got decent pacing. Like, there's action in every story, right? It's not just learning or reading about what Starbrand was doing. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got like things that I'm wondering about how it's going to sort out, right? So at this point, like. We don't know what happened to Thomas and Stasi and Kathy, and I'm hoping somehow they're not dead because I'm interested in those characters, which is a good sign for a comic book, right? Like, you want your people to care, right? I don't care about the ES people, unlike all these letter writers, right? But the Sci Force you characters, got against I the enjoy. ES people, Walt and uh, what's her <laughs> name, and uh, the yeah. other guy, yeah, exactly, yeah, the that other guy. They hid in a closet. Like they're not an exciting team of psychics. <laughs> I think uh the Psy Force versus ES people would be an interesting face-off. Uh, right. That would be again kind of like the dad trying to wrangle all the teenagers. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, it would have been easier to to introduce a people in one of the books and try to spin them off and into an independent book. Or just start an independent book set in that same universe. Right. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Um, well, instead of spinning off Thomas, we spun him into a new title or into an existing title kind of thing. Uh, if yeah. anything, the the Psy Forcers probably could have, you know, 
one or two of them could have supported their own book to a degree, but it's definitely more fun having them together. And also you would kind of ruin that whole rabbits tree branch kind of metaphor from the early on, like the hawk is supposed to keep them together. Yeah. I, I gotta say this is one of the few times that I think a, a, a substitution in the lineup really improves a book. Um, a lot of times I'm like hung up on the original lineup and think, you know, oh, it'll never get this good again. You let go of so-and-so. And, um, but Michael was like a poor fit for the for the team kind of all, all along the first year and always a little bit younger. And I mean, it was okay, but you get uh, as part of this stepping it up a notch and like if everyone else was now like a young adult and he's still a kid that would have been really hard to kind of mesh together. So yeah, uh, I think Thomas works well in this group um, better than Michael, honestly, certainly if you want to take it into this kind of combat intensive uh, direction. Right. They needed a bruiser, right? They needed someone who was the fighter. You know, you've got Wayne who was kind of the leader but his powers are a little bit all or nothing. Like he's there paying attention. Like he can pretty much stop anybody. So you kind of have to take him out of the action a little bit, you know, get him dazed or stunned or, you know, not there kind of thing. And then after him, I guess Kathy could be kind of like the the fighting force to a degree, but like personality wise, like it, it does, it's not a good fit. You know, she's always kind of like a reluctant powers user and, uh, you know, strong, but, you know, not like yeah. a fighter. Like you know, the only one who's really going to punch someone in the face is is uh, Thomas, right? Yeah, Tyrone's a ghost. So yeah, yeah. that was one thing we 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 forgot to mention. But the, the there's hints of Tyrone being like the ultimate most powerful paranormal ever, or something. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see, man. Well, they're definitely they're they're increasing his power set in some ways, like and, and not like um completely changing it but being like oh you just didn't think of doing this or maybe if you tried doing that you know it'd be and it something seems to be um progressing in that regard so have you tried scaring people from the left <laughs> maybe <laughs> scaring people from below <laughs> maybe surprising like- people <laughs> super yeah strong the first few issues so (laughs) kathy brings up an interesting question for me which is when you say things like the the you know people are uh like blur eating to generate the um because they need a lot of calories because of all the energy they use when they're using their powers but no one ever says like oh kathy can move like 600 pounds so she has to eat this many cheeseburgers to generate enough energy to lift 600 pounds right she's not doing it with her muscle she's doing it with her mind or something um so yeah a lot of kind of non-obvious uh uses of power do have like a huge energy requirement but we never sort of know where that comes from other than i guess the white event slash star brand uh, as that came up 
yeah yeah all the, the psychic stuff is always like a, i mean there's just no way to really explain it so you always have to kind of go like hand wavy portion of the brain did something unlocked potential yada yada like it's just i know there's no good way to make it make sense i guess you know does she manipulate gravity i don't know <laughs> well as long as there's no good way to make it make sense we'll be here to talk about it we'll be, <laughs> but first perhaps we'll take a quick break sounds good or a long break just a break oh okay Welcome back from the break, new you maniacs. We are going to take it right into Justice. And this uh, season we covered Justice number 13 to 18. Justice didn't have an annual, uh, which is a little surprising given its success. But uh, given their directions, perhaps uh, less surprising. Does that hmm. make sense? I annual might have been a good way to kind of wrap some things up. But yeah, I mean, if you've got a double length issue, that is kind of what you would want for this upcoming point in the story. Um, but let's let's start back up a moment with our original uh, intro. Tenson is a fish out of water, possibly an exiled alien policeman, possibly just a crazy person fighting drug dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension. He wields the sword and shield of justice as he brings his black and white fight against evil to our morally gray world. This was, uh, this was a very uneven uh, season for justice. We start off in uh, issue 13 um, after a kind of a one-off in 12 and 11. Um, what was the fast food killers? That's what I think. Yeah. Don't make me go back and check. Hmm. Um, we, we pick up at a uh, sort of a new uh, baseline. Tenson is now uh, calling himself Trace, and he's been working in uh, Los Angeles. It's like most uh, upscale nightclub razzle <laughs> and um it's i love so, razzle so hard to take things seriously sometimes just based on the name um and he comes across a finally gets a um a line onto damon conquest's new scheme which was some designer death designer drugs that were killing people um he the Damon and Becky are like just uh rich people off you know on a yacht and they're making plans to um sort of uh I don't know uh, draw some like senator or future presidential candidate into their web. Um that was a sort of a promising setup 
that there's like a uh, demon servitor who attacks justice and he finds a the son of a, like a sketchy dude who maybe will lead him to demon conquest or, or something um felt very much left you hanging when the next issue is a a more of a fill-in where justice is chasing a a child pornographer it was um finds it's always a child some, pornographer <laughs> finds instead some eco warriors who were protesting uh, like a dam in the american southwest and uh is is like uh following along with them for a few days as they fight the man this was all at the instigation of um being bitten by a rattlesnake then justice like um, not being killed, but uh, I would say hallucinating a long experience with uh, several eco warriors in the American Southwest. That would make the most sense, honestly, if he was hallucinating <laughs> it. But yeah, he kind of weirdly decides that he's like, I will follow you around and decide if your cause is just kind of thing. And then also fight the police with you. <laughs> I mean, it's not so much got like story logic as dream logic. So, I mean, where we get into like the next issue i would just like wrap this previous one up as like completely off the rails and and you know let's just move on um because 15 we sort of get firmer footing but it really also pulls the plug out on you uh, pulls the rug out from under you completely we get the new creative team of peter david and lee weeks um so David, after starting out Merc for a few issues, pretty strong uh, stuff. We haven't seen him in the new universe, but now has come back and is taking over Justice long term. And uh, as some of the uh, writing in Marvel Age warned us, uh, they were not happy with the how consistent Justice was with the overall real world concept and the overall like only the the white event was different concept. So they re-engineer the title so that uh, Tenson uh, is no longer Justice Warrior Tenson. He is now regular guy with paranormal powers Tenson. How do we do that is pretty interesting. The story is pretty strong, stronger than I would have expected. And um, naturally includes a crossover with Nightmask. So Nightmask and Justice, the two like most closely connected dudes yeah. in the new universe, I guess. Um, we get a, a Justice having nightmares, going to see Nightmask, and um, they unravel what is kind of a still kind of difficult to to kind of parse um uh setup which is that the entire dream dimension that Tenson thought he came from and would sort of occasionally interact with was part of a fantasy construct by this dad character who was the major villain so dad was a paranormal with the power of sort of making his dreams reality right 
And he was kind of a George R. R. Martin of his day with a <laughs> well, slightly a little watered down version. But the uh, he was nevertheless also a criminal mastermind. So it's a, you 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 have a young narcotics agent being sent undercover into his organization, being caught and um, about to be converted into this fantasy world construct. Um, but then his own paranormality breaks loose. Uh, he takes off, but is a little sort of mentally trapped inside this uh, fantasy world himself. That person is Tencent, of course. Right. He was kind of saved by the fact that he had paranormal powers that he hadn't quite realized, right? So, Yeah, he's uh, sent into this undercover just around the white event, and he's only been getting headaches. But then once he's about to be uh, con converted they the, the, whatever his paranormality saves him but mentally he's bought into it all um you know drugs conditioning this weird paranormal power it all sort of comes together into him having an extended belief in that as the real real world um we do not get much of the backstory yet, but um, he and Nightmask together sort of suss out the reality of it all. Um, he, I guess, kills Becky in self-defense or is defending some another innocent Teddy. Um, so Becky's dead, and at the end, Damon Conquest is dead, and at the end, he judges Dad, and he's dead. So that chapter of justice wraps up very definitively. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nightmask is the leaves him to his own devices, and justice is left wondering, well, what am I? Well, who am I? And interestingly, so this is the the like we say, um, maybe as a two issues in a double issue, this would have been a little more. Uh, uh, digestible it's a lot to take in and all at once and they are zipping through it yeah i felt like it required multiple readings to really kind of sort it out honestly so yeah that's uh still controversial and but um a pretty solid issue um if once you get a handle on it and um as you can see you know our tagline for it where it's like maybe he's a crazy person that was not really ever brought up in the book itself right i would say that like all along people had been buying into this you know or just sort of dismissing tenson completely but they'd see things you know the, these hounds would come out and attack them or, or whatever um and so it's not like uh, there was a tension maintained in the series before that of like, is this real or is this not, you know? Yeah. Something had to kill Hoyt Pittman. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> that giant snake. I was in the just car looking for a reason to say Hoyt Pittman. <laughs> yeah. um, 
so let's see the next issue is inter again takes an interesting tack in that instead of like who am i and just as kind of wandering back into an, his old office do you remember me no he's like out there with a new mission and we actually have a second crossover with dp7 in number 16 or at least several members thereof as charlie find hears about a um justice killer in the news and um figures out that several people had been killed in a strange manner um that were paranormals so she's sort of um questioning this while we see justice going around and executing a couple of um well criminal paranormals people using their powers for evil purposes various levels of that but um this is also uh, contains an interesting, uh, as part of the investigation, we have a, a character of Peter David's Merc run, Claire Burnett, she pops up, but we, uh, we did just for a moment. And uh, we have a, a, a psychic, another paranormal, who is also trying to investigate these killings for the police and uh, who is... Um, well, frightened to death by justice. <laughs> I got to say that we were talking about like what were the best moments so far, like taking a quick read through. I do love the moment where this woman whose power is going back in time to sort of see who is committing a crime or something goes back and is kind of going back and forth, trying to like on a videotape forward, backward. Oh, here it is. Finally sees this guy come in. And then he sees her, which is, mm -hmm. is like, wow. Awesome moments. Um, so, yeah, instead of like soul searching, justice has, has a new mission. And then 17, we get a. Um, we do get more backstory, finally, as one of the uh, paranormals who justice has judged is psycho psychically sort of. Um, lodged inside justice's head for a while and uh the conversation between the two of them we get some of uh backstory on tenson john rogers tension as we'll call him the young kid in the white hat um how he he became a um, narcotics agent for the justice department and um his paranormal power like popped out at the right time. And um, after suffering, as he says, from a paranormal, he realized that anyone can be a, like a DEA agent, but he has a particular powers and mission to make sure that paranormals use their powers for good. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, he has a dead wife and an estranged kid too, right? That's maybe the most surprising thing is like, you know, if you sell someone, they have a kid they didn't know about in one issue. You expect that next issue will be like, hello, I'm your dad. Hello. <laughs> I um, would interrupt the killing time. <laughs> it's like, nope. Um, and we wrap up with Justice 18, the pit tie-in. Justice is just uh, over, you know a couple miles away from the pit when it happens um talking to another paranormal with 
power to see the future who saw the end of the world and was scared to death by it um justice in this uh issue is not um is mostly just kind of there as a witness and it kind of gives you a much better sense of scope and scale of the horror that this disaster is uh and as i alluded to before um you know his, his tenaciousness is maybe one of my favorite qualities about him and in this issue he's just you know he's fighting a hurricane to save a baby which was um i found kind of touching yeah though we unfortunately find he's much better at killing people than he is at saving people <laughs> well you're gonna lose a couple but uh you know yeah. oh it's uh Justice, um, this has been, I would say, the most uneven of the books because it, you know, it wanders between what I think were like uh, inventory stories that were burned off um, instead of trying to wrap things up. It never sort of foreshadowed some big twists and turns. Um, and it, it, it sort of abandoned what could have been at least a, a you know, promising but kind of admittedly middling storyline with the LA investigation um sort of a good film film noir kind of setup over there um the the one or two things that we had that were um left in the beginning were quickly overshadowed by really strong work from Peter David and Lee Weeks in these last four issues um awesome pit tie-in and uh if justice is sort of reimagined it's still as a like a recognizable character that i really want to see more of so all of that works pretty well um pretty happy with with you know where we're at and where we're going admittedly have i have like conceptual problems with the <laughs> switcheroo there in the middle but yeah but, uh if I ever have time to go back and sort of try to figure out how things could have worked with that scenario, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I feel like they did a good job of keeping the character still kind of familiar, you know, without, um, yeah. Yeah. Cause they just had crazy changes, right? Like they just changed the whole story. Like, okay, no, there is no other dimension. That's a big deal. Um, but yeah, they did a really nice job of keeping justice mostly, you know, kind of who he is. The the characters always kind of bounced back and forth between like, you know, a regular guy, fish out of water, kind of trying to make it out in the world between that and like relentless killing machine kind of thing. Like even like <laughs> from issue one to issue two, I feel like it kind of jumped between like being the Terminator to being like a guy kind of thing. Uh, and I was a little worried that they were going to turn him like sassy or something because I think some flashbacks to John Tenson in the in issue fifteen where we learn that you know he's not a justice warrior uh, like the original character working for the Justice Department like he he has like some snappy zingers or something like that and like like that would have really <laughs> that would have really changed my view of things but yeah I think they did a nice job with that. Um, I'm still definitely sad to see the, and we 
this whole season or a bunch of issues for us like that issue 13 with Razzle was the last bit of the Conway and Giffen story and it wasn't really even quite you know it didn't feel like a direct continuation of uh, the crazy stuff that was going on with the uh, winterlands and such that we got that felt like we were on apocalypse so I'm still missing that at this point. So even though they did kind of a nice turnaround, like I'm not 100% sold on the, on the new Justice as an improvement over that cool Giffen art, crazy world stuff, which I really liked. Yeah, that's the the difficult part of... Um, I mean, if it was like, oh, these issues are all trash and uh, we want to forget about them, sure, let's forget about them. Those were such strong stories. I mean, there were like moments in there that were just awesome. So yeah, that's that's a real like tough stuff to sweep under the rug. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. It's a uh, difficult uh, balancing act of of trying to get away from that and, and head off in another direction. And honestly, sometimes when they talk about like the consistency of the new unit, the real world concept and all that, I'm like, I feel like I just need to like redefine it in a way that's a little more productive than they did. They kind of went from one extreme to another. It's like, you know, how about we call real world like something that would have uh, flown on a, uh, primetime tv show in the 80s you know what i mean it's like right. maybe someone has powers or maybe someone's just a mercenary or something but it's you know if, if you have like a central concept just go with it you know it's it the idea was that we weren't a bunch of like cartoon characters bouncing off of you know buildings that could be picked up and thrown at other people you know um anyway yeah yeah i think that like dark universe like could still kind of work as like the new universe's little bit of sort of magic and strangeness that can creep in every once in a while and even maybe interact with other characters um but yeah also kind of interesting like you know things that were yeah like quib little nitpicky sort of problems like it doesn't really bother me i'm enjoying the new books but if they give you if you got the new justice and we're trying to be more grounded and less fantasy and then they give him this like purple superhero outfit with a purple (laughs) you know trench coat and white boots and like how in the world does this guy not just he stands out even more than the original where at least he had like a brown coat you know he looked like a backup dancer maybe for tina turner or something but like now he's just straight up weird superhero looking guy oh it's got to make hunting and being and not getting caught by the police a little bit difficult oh my yeah um it's a good point the uh cosplay element was not uh very common back then and it was that that's almost the the tagline for the new universe no code names no costumes do anything you want within those parameters. Right. Um, yeah, the the uh, new look is a little more sleeker, but uh, also a little more flashy. I don't know. Yeah. 
And did, did he make it? Did he buy it at a costume store? Like, <laughs> you know, give me some new universe. Like, where is this a woman coming from? Duck gave this to me. <laughs> right. Never forget. Duck is the superhero tailor of the new universe. Why not? Uh, I would give the series uh, myself um, still about a B plus. I think I'm happy with it. Um, it has like, like I say, it edges into like awesomeness at times, but um, it has been dragged down at with uh, inconsistency. So within this season, I'll say B B plus. Okay, yeah, I, I like Trace and Razzle. Uh, the the battle with the eco warriors was sort of hilariously unintentionally funny. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a comedy interlude for us. Yeah, so, well, I, right. I still love the there's the one guy, uh, like the blonde character, and he's like, "I'm not a child molester or something." <laughs> Weird you would mention that, uh, Edward. Uh, why do you bring it up? And then Wiley fell off the cliff. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on the new direction yet. I want to be sold on the new direction, but I'm not. Um, so I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see like what goes on. Uh, if, if there's there's some sort of plan here. Um, so, But I'm enjoying it. So I would say B. Fair enough. I enjoy Sci Force maybe a little bit more lately. Okay. Okay. So I mean, I was trying to think. Um oh, I'm losing it now. The um differences we've seen in the in the book so far, like Sci Force kind of went from being a teen book to being a I'd say an action book, you know what I yeah. mean? So, um, like the Breakfast Club to I don't know, and like kids running around fighting, just fighting all the time. So, uh, I'm not quite sure. Like I've got a good as good a transition for um, justice here. Let me think about it. Yeah, I think if we can get back to if we can get back to more kind of like in his head stuff, like that that would be helpful. Like the uh, the the last issue where you know he ends up kind of experiencing the pit. Like I think that was probably the best. Yeah, a lot of him inside his head with that. So, alrighty. So yeah, if it keeps up on that direction, then good things should be ahead. But um, so yeah. New universe, inconsistent at times, you know, changing stories, different creative teams. Not so much in DP7, though. It's uh, <laughs> our old Iron Horse or something. I don't know. War Horse? Iron something? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. It's funny play. because I was just reading the Marvel Age where Gruenwald was saying he wants to mix it up like every six months or so, change it kind of more radically than books normally do. Um, so yeah, he which I guess we kind of do, yeah. It's yeah, a, we yeah, that, that that seems to track with our uh artificial season schedule, yeah. But um yeah, in in this round we covered books 13 through 18. Uh TP7 of course has not been retconned. We still have seven random people 
Uh, once ordinary and average begin to display powers extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their family's reactions the occasional abusive husband uh, their lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help which has now kidnapped them into a bid in a bid to control them uh, randy dave stephanie charlie jeff scuzz and lenore they are seven displaced paranormals on the run or as we call them, DP7. Which is honestly like not the world's greatest title for a comic book if you're just trying to pick something up off the shelf. But, you know, if you know what you're getting into, it's good stuff. But yeah, so a bunch of different issues to recap. And yeah, essentially we pick up where um, everybody's finally back at the clinic, right? So Dave Landers or Mastodon had gotten a, a power boost from the es people they uh took out the big bad <laughs> in the previous and you know now you know the the inmates are running the clinic kind of thing the inmates are running the prison um uh, but yeah so void is defeated uh but there's still some bad apples so uh charn and speck are still hanging around uh, they were part of the team of paranormals that was helping kind of brainwash the all of the paranormals in the clinic. And uh, they end up sort of having to be dealt with in this. Uh, so a lot of Mastodon in this issue. So as everybody's kind of trying to sort out what to do, um, you've got this Dexter Charn guy who's still not quite ready to kind of give up on some old grudges. And... Um, Stephanie and Hackbarth are still in comas from the previous issue. They kind of have a throwdown. And yeah, this is the issue 13 is sort of a Dave Landers issue. Uh, a lot of him uh, trying to kind of sort things out. But it ends with some death, uh, which ends up kind of haunting the series uh, in the next couple of issues. So um, Tracy Speck and Charn were kind of love interests but also maybe he was manipulating her as it was a little weird. Uh, he ends up sort of killing her on accident with a stray bullet. Uh, and then one of the antibodies, uh, one of Randy's antibodies ends up killing Charn, uh, mostly before Mastodon can, I suppose. Um, Damn, Mastodon was pretty mad in that issue. Yeah, he was, all the way through. He was ready to snap the guy in half. Uh, um, yeah, it was like Charn and Speck were you know just underlings of the big boss um and they didn't really get involved in the final fight in the previous issue but um still had plenty of power between the two of them and would have been um difficult to to or impossible to to fight against in the clinic long term i guess i expected more of like this to play out over more issues of Charn, you know, acting or playing nice because he kind of did that in around Hackbarth and Voight. He was like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever you say, whatever you say, I'm going to go scheme over here, you know. Right. He took the more direct approach of like, I think we want this guy to run the clinic. And I'm going to go give him a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not suspicious at all. So, yeah, he, but between um, him and Speck, Speck was a, the major reason they hunted them all down in the first place because. You couldn't really hide if someone else can kind of see through your eyes. Right. So, um, 
Yeah, unfortunately. It could have been a useful power to have as a good guy later on. Like she was probably the most redeemable. Like she she had wanted to she, take off and leave at some point, but kind of got forced back. Yeah, I felt bad for Speck. She she was a little less antagonistic and um yeah, she would be like the cerebro of uh, the clinic. You uh, you could find her or like oh, Blur has disappeared. Um hey Tracy, where where's Jeff at, you know? right yeah yeah so hmm, i don't know but unfortunately yeah we move on last scene with free fall on the tangler that's not a good sign yeah so issue 14 uh i've always called it the race war uh it's more like you know at the clinic yeah i've got to uh i gotta admit like in in posting things on twitter i i i really you know minimize how much of this <laughs> hashtag yeah, race war a, you know i, I don't want to so. You know, like uh, so anyway but yeah essentially that that's one maybe the mo- the major aspect of it um you were just saying like a uh, prison whatever um yeah we we analogized the next few issues to like a prison um marooned on a desert island together college dorm there's several things where you have disparate people kind of thrown together and are trying to um coexist and very quickly in this case we went to <laughs> racial uh profiling yeah in in part kicked off by our, our poor old good good guy uh randy o'brien so yeah issue 14 is sort of uh interesting where uh, you know charlie of dp7 had always kind of had a crush on him and she finally starts to think about sort of acting on it and he gives her the old well um although i like you like you and i find you attractive and i can't see myself dating a black woman because i could never marry a black woman <laughs> so, i think uh the the good line was you know i'm liberal enough to be your friend to date you even romance you but I'd never be able to take a girl like you home to my folks <laughs> and because you can imagine that doesn't end well <laughs> so yeah that he's drives a, oh go ahead uh, he uh he mentions he's like from small town um wisconsin or whatever so he's a he's a very uh sheltered uh life experience guy for like a medical school graduate i guess right so that plus a little bit of uh Artie and rod our paranormal jerk security guards uh kind of pushes charlie over the edge to join the black powers group so the the all black therapy group that decides that they need to uh kind of gang up together um yeah first... this had sort of happened off screen that like that we, that we just sort of are introduced to them already like joining up and saying oh we we need a group for our interests we the the administration here the doctors aren't you know responsive to our needs and there's racists everywhere and blah 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 yeah i would i'm sorry i I look at listening to some of the old episodes i'm like i don't want to feel like i'm downplaying that like those tangler and freefall uh you know they were uh abrasive to everyone but you could definitely say they were racist um so yeah that's a 
putting those two in security guard positions was a pretty bonehead move. Whoever in the administration was. Yeah. In the beginning, they kind of, they kind of act a bit more like just bullies, like they bully Randy and, you know, kind of everybody they're jerks to. Uh, But then, yeah, like once, when push comes to shove, the racism really comes out. Um, uh, But yeah, the black powers are led by Indigo, the sort of large black woman. She's got this like power fist that comes out of her hands and is is actually quite strong. Um, You have Chill uh, with cold powers and Squirm, who doesn't really want to do much. Uh, And Bazooka later, you know, who has kind of like force blasts out of his fist. Um, But yeah, the, the, the first incidents of the race war is you know the black power is kind of getting revenge on uh, free fall and tangler because they had uh you know roughed up charlie basically so they were on the hit list uh as was randy <laughs> uh so a whole bunch of fighting in that issue you know as things kind of start escalating and charlie gets kind of broken off from the uh original seven uh, from issue 15 that's a lenore issue uh where we discover or sort of reconfirm that she really likes and is perhaps addicted to stealing the energy of people. Um, so typically she had helped uh, blur out because, you know, stop him vibrating so he could kind of relax and get to sleep, you know, but here she's absorbing energy from antibodies. Uh, poor annoying orphan Evan Hubner gets, gets his energy drained. And when she asks him to stay out, stay late for class. Um, yeah. So she, has been able to kind of save the day a bunch of times, you know, if, if there's a big rumble or some sort of chaos going on, you know, she can just, you know, take her mask off or, you know, expose an arm and kind of drain energy. But clearly it's kind of like taking a mental toll on her. You know, she's feeling more like a vampire uh, than a helpful member of the team and kind of starts to isolate, think about isolating herself a bit. And then we also get the, the rejected antibody that killed Charn. Uh, Randy's been kind of trying to shoo it away and get rid of it, uh, but it, it finds a, a home in annoying orphan Evan uh, to be his like shadow man and kind of gives him paranormal powers a little bit. Ugh, I guess we're not getting rid of either of them. I know, right? <laughs> so, issue 16 was the DD teens issue, which is a lot of fun. So a lot of... You know, so we have uh, kind of a Charlie issue and then a Lenore issue and then a Scuzz issue where he tries to get all the kids to team up. So all the under 18s um, and they kind of do, but they, they don't particularly get along like he's, he's not he's not the best at leading them. Uh, they don't necessarily want to follow his orders and such. Yeah, D- Scuzz uh, continues to be a real interesting character because he's, you know, on the one hand, he's kind of, you know, he want he's ambitious in a way, but he's also very irresponsible and, you know, sort of self-centered. Um, he wants to get the kids together, and so he's careful not to, you know, he kind of um, pushes them, but is also nice to them, or at least doesn't beat them all up when they argue with him the way he, he's always thinking he wants to. Um, it's kind of, I mean, we'd, we'd seen before with this, the first Scorcher issue, sometimes you think that like Scuzz is like a super villain in training, you know, like much mm-hmm. more than like Starbrand would have been. 
So um, it's still kind of ambiguous, like how, you know, where, where he'll uh, and, you know, where he's headed with this like power set and ambition together. Um, and I'm not really sure. Yeah. He's kind of uh, showing off and kind of just pushing buttons with the black powers, uh, which he's, it's not like a race thing to him. It's just like, Oh, here's an, uh, a rival group. So, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, it generally just doesn't go that well for him. So he keeps getting like, <laughs> it's yeah, like, hilarious where he's like trapped in indigo's fist again he's like damn it i was sure like my scorcher powers could burn out of this yeah <laughs> no attacked by the chill guy too and it's like oh he's not getting anywhere here <laughs> yeah i mean some of these paranormals are a bit sort of all or nothing like you know if they go full on like they can be really dangerous but like in kind of a deadly way so it's a little risky um but yeah so he kind of gets the you know or at least a bunch of the kids to kind of gang up and have like a, a full-on throwdown fight against the black powers but it doesn't go particularly well for the teens as you might imagine uh charlie ends up kind of having to save them all by like sticking everybody to the ground you know but that kind of you know starts questioning her allegiance and so she uh ditches the black powers in the end of that in the end of that issue and kind of you know rescues uh, scuzz who's been kind of her her friend her maybe annoying friend uh it, it's throughout interesting the series that because we don't think of charlie as that young but he he asks her a couple of times to join their group because she's still under 20 so that which is yeah i mean he likes her so he, he kind of thinks to himself she's kind of a uh space case or something but um yeah she's got like she's a very popular um uh, as we'll see in the next one. I was going to say, oh, um, what's his name? Um, Michael. Michael is uh, part of the DD teams. Michael That's right, yeah. Cyborg, yeah so. We had him coming coming over. And yeah, again, you know, like, I mean, sure, he could blow everybody up, but... <laughs> you don't want to much. see that. So You want to see what I did to the MRI machine? I'll show mm -hmm. you. Uh, yeah 17 things are like tensions are sort of coming to a head we have uh been seeing the clinic gang sort of increasingly kind of trashed like graffiti broken stuff you know less and less of the clinic staff are kind of showing up you know things are just getting kind of chaotic um so yeah just fight after fight kind of coming up in uh issue 17 uh leading up to uh, essentially, you know, the final showdown of the race war, perhaps, as far as things go, uh, where Freefall uh, and Tangler were starting to kill people. Uh, so they were out of the hospital, uh, and, you know, any doubt that they were horrible uh, was erased as, um, oh, what was the Invisible Powers guy? I forget his name. Blind Spot. Line spot disappears, right? So we don't right. really know what happened to him, but we presume he's dead. Uh, we we see them we see them killing Chill, uh, Chill Wexler, I think. Um, and you know things aren't looking good for Squirm either. Uh, so they they're kind of one after another, kind of sneakily, you know, taking out this Black Powers group. Uh, it culminates in you know the 
end of the issue where you know indigo is planning a riot and so if, if charlie doesn't help them out then she, she's you know dead to her aka maybe going to be a target uh, there's maybe a women's group of paranormals that's going to form a couple of new characters uh, and they have the big fight in the end and again my my favorite part in the fight is where uh, the woman from the volleyball issue you know in the middle of this battle is like all right now's my chance to woo randy because she has the sort of like emotional manipulation powers so she just like latches onto the poor guy <laughs> like it's like okay uh, interesting yeah. tactic interesting tactic um but the the day gets saved from uh lenore who comes out of her uh I don't know, sex dungeon with the staff guy that she kidnapped and saves the day. Not sure what's going on with Lenora now that she's getting younger and the horniness seems to be increasing as well. <laughs> but yeah, there yeah, was a weird both... moment where like Juris Ziegler, I think was that his name? Like there was a guy who was trying to help her out and uh but like making a lot of comments about how how great she was looking, and then she's like, you know come to my room and bring some paint kind of thing. And then we never saw him again. So I just assumed he's roped up somewhere like a desiccated <laughs> husk or something. I don't know. I, uh, I, I do like that. Like Charlie and Lenore both have good mass effect powers, you know, like um, most of the other characters, uh, you know, like one-on-one -on -one or like a power that's really, you know, not very combat related, but both of them can just squash a, a like a ten person fighting crew in a second. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Lenore, and she was like suddenly, yeah, juices were flowing again, and uh, <laughs> we 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 sometimes cut away from things in in DP seven without too much uh, information, so. Right. Th those cutaways were a little more blatant in early star brand. <laughs> Here it's a little questionable. Uh, um, so yeah, issue 18, the last of this particular uh, collection is got that pit tie-in in the cover. And basically Jeff hears about what happened in Pittsburgh uh, and he had family there and maybe even his parents were traveling to go visit the, his family there. Um, right so he Christmas, takes, yeah. yeah. So he takes off right in the beginning. Um, we have a couple of pages of everyone kind of like settling down after the race war, uh, everyone except for Indigo who tries to basically kill Charlie um, because she let her down in the battle. Yeah. It seems a little much, but you know, Indigo I, I was a very angry character, and yes. she had um, oh, she'd lost most of her team by the end there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Though, though we do learn that Squirm lives, uh, we get a little bit more of an introduction to uh, the paranormal mutator, and also Sponge, who is uh, another attractive blonde woman who, in this case, has a extreme crush on Dave Lander's Mastodon. Uh, though he's not feeling it so she's she's all up over him but uh yeah, i think like, as i'd mentioned before it's unusual that someone has a power that uh, makes you less attractive and her this is true. water absorbing 
you know, like they'll just draw her half the time as being like more, you know, the blob from the X-Men, um, morbidly obese. It's right. just this water that she is then expels and she looks like Stephanie Harrington, but, um, I don't know for Dave doesn't really say why he doesn't care because, uh, he is still very much like hung up on Steffi, who has been in a coma still this whole time. Again, the real the real time aspect of the series does hold up. When you tell someone, you know, don't do this because you'll be in a coma for several months. They are in a coma for several months. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So no, no clue when she'll be coming back out of it, though. Hints that maybe that might be soon. Um also, Sponge is rich too, or at least her family is. So I'm like, what are you thinking, Dave? You know, yeah, blonde, she's both conscious, budget. and wealthy, and likes you, right? Yeah. It looks about the same, and no, you know, husband hanging around, right? He's not trouble, married. You know, <laughs> I mean, for for most guys, it's like looks about the same is is really the key in the. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> None of our spouses listen to this. We're good. <laughs> Rachel's definitely not listening to the season three re- recap episode, so we should be safe. Downloads here are all for me. Yes. <laughs> so if someone just looks like me, that's enough. Maybe they're even a little bit younger. You're just gonna jump ship, huh? That's what I learned about you today. Huh? <laughs> uh. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, we get like half uh, kind of wrap up, which is nice um, of what's going on in the clinic. And then uh, we get a road trip. They get back in the old RV. Uh, they get cool new outfits courtesy of uh, wealthy parents of aforementioned uh, paranormal. And uh, so, yeah, so Dave and Sponge and Mutator and Lenore and Randy and Charlie all kind of pack it up for the road trip to the pit which is an interesting uh way to go uh yeah so you know they take out a couple guards along the way uh as is just tradition for these sorts of things and end on a literal cliffhanger as you know as you get closer and closer to the pit which is all these like rubble and broken things that all kind of got sucked into the vacuum of uh this mystery bomb thing uh, but yeah then they all fall in um, and then that's that's our cliffhanger at the end so it's the most li- literal cliffhanger i may have yeah well no, i guess it'd be a little more literal literal if they were hanging from the cliff oh right? okay so like one mastodon's there and they're all hanging from his feet or something so we could have been slightly more literal okay okay fine <laughs> i mean another cliff in this marvel published that month 15 miles to the bottom of the pit so yeah well it is spherical though so i mean they should yeah i don't know uh yeah i guess i always assume the first however far you fall is going to be enough to to be um hard to deal with but uh we'll see how they do i I, it's uh i'm guessing they won't all die (laughs) that that certainly we're hoping it would be unusual Back at uh, the clinic. I wonder what happened to those guys. We never saw them again. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's funny. They so I did like that they got like suited up and kind of more prepared this time because you know 
that's the advantage of being in like having a home base and being stable and sort of thinking through things instead of just sort of running off in the middle of the night. Right. Um, half in your pajamas. Um, but also I, a little surprised they didn't do more to, uh, um, around the clinic before they left or think about it because I've got a bad feeling about like where the clinic's going to be at by the time they get back. I don't know. True. So, I mean, I suppose they don't see themselves as in charge of it either though. Right. Like they're just kind of, you know, they, they have roles like David's security and Randy's the doctor and that kind of thing. Lenore's the teacher, but supposedly it's still run by the staff. Yeah, that's right. Half of the people are all up in in the infirmary at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked that the, I mean, they're a long ways away from the pit, but they, there's, you know, one of their people has like a connection and he goes to check it out. And the others sort of, you know, sit down and think about like, well, what can we do to help Jeff? He's done a lot for us and, you know, what should we do? And they, they rationalize it out that, you know, we're going to go look for him. We also have powers and let's, let's use it to, to, um, to help him help our yeah. friend. I like that. Yeah. It's a- and, and overall they introduced a boatload of new characters uh, and, and they did it well. Like, so we got, you know, more character growth from the seven or, or some of the seven that we kind of know, you know, more about Lenora, more of Charlie, you know, Dave and Randy had always been focused on and, and such, but uh, yeah, I think just overall just did a nice job kind of balancing, you know, character growth, introducing new characters, having a really interesting story. You know, you could have easily just done little one-off kind of things of meeting new characters and what kind of problem this guy's powers cause or something like that. And um, instead they got a whole lot going on all at once and, balanced it pretty well right um yeah the let's see the problem there are too many characters yeah i don't know <laughs> I, I like it though I, I, i'm not I sh- i'm having trouble coming up with if there's any problems with it yeah problem is that yeah it's hard for us to uh post on twitter about what's going on <laughs> during the last <laughs> storyline i'm not sure that's we're talking about um and well, here's the going... problem they they reused mastodon too many times in the corner art on the covers hmm. Hmm. i think uh someone asked on i think facebook is this a story you could do now i would say absolutely not you could <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like, sad though right yeah like, in many ways it is yeah you it's can't like even write I mean, it's, I mean it's it, characters. It's not like an autobiography. Yeah, it's mostly like that. Like people are somehow more sensitive now, and less uh, sort of forgiving or open-minded or something to, with regards to their various um, backgrounds and hang-ups and what have you. Yeah, um, we we struggle apparently, or Hollywood perhaps struggles with you know having black or women characters be bad as well i think right so yeah the trying to balance things out they got like way out over on another side that wasn't any more productive and feels kind of oh here we go again 
uh, with a lot of um, stories and tropes. Um, here we've got sort of more well-rounded characters dealing with things in a relatable way or at least sort of understandable way and they are not none of them are perfect they all make various mistakes back and forth um and it's it adds up to an interesting story yeah so it's our loss that we can't do stuff that that well uh now if uh or at least not without getting it being more trouble than it's worth honestly to yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. It's just you don't want to push back from every every corner. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh where it's going now, I was Marvel Age was uh Gruenwald was saying they would be at the site of the disaster for three to five issues. So we'll we'll be spending some time there at least. Yeah. Um, which is good, right? Because the I mean, we'll talk about the pit, but it was kind of a shrug. So that's Pittsburgh, yeah. damn it. If this is the uh comic that's gonna actually kind of show us what's going on there, then you know it's probably in good hands. Yeah, they said uh we'd be having uh maybe run into Spitfire, maybe those paranormals from Starbrand. So yeah. hanging out at the pit. Yeah, the um so Justice was right next to the pit. DP7 was kind of halfway across the country and it took took a day or two to like, oh, let's go find out what's going on. And Cyforce, completely on the other side of the country, was like, I I, I doubt I don't think they're going to get involved, you know. We got our so. own explosions to handle. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> East Coasters worry about Pittsburgh. Yeah, and which is all very um normal. Uh, overall rating for the series for me, I'd say a minus. It continues to be uh, consistently high quality, very enjoyable. Never quite know what's coming next. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, six books, good art, really interesting story. I, I'd just give it a straight A at this point. <laughs> not not as cagey as I am. <laughs> Any more thoughts? Uh, it's, it's old reliable, man. Like those, those are always good issues to read. So I hope that never changes. Dude. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, if you don't like DP as a, as a DP seven, as a title, I would suggest either Y men or Z men. <laughs> you can go all the way to the end of the alphabet. No more of this X as like the, last letter uh just a thought yeah let's good. head <laughs> into <laughs> the pit, the pit mm, do was... we have to <laughs> we will in time or are we on the clock okay we're gonna blaze through the pit faster than you can <laughs> no yeah, the pit cool was... diagrams in here and then something else happens on yeah, the the uh, bookshelf format graphic novel, as we alluded to earlier, um, takes uh, takes us through the first twelve hours after Ken blows up Pittsburgh. Um, the they hit it from several angles and several characters, and I, I mean, 
while we were saying before is pretty true, it's kind of a missed opportunity to sell the new universe in some ways. Uh, it is harder to do like a crossover of like Tom Clancy meets Michael Crichton than you might imagine, you know, mm. uh, here's political maneuvering and military maneuvering and technological maneuvering and very difficult. Um, the pit bounces between the witness from DP seven annual number one, who is drawn to the event and is uh, sort of stuck there watching Ken transfer the star brand and just everything goes white. Um, Mac Browning, Colonel McIntyre Browning, who's a uh, defense uh, military in intelligence guy who sort of takes over the pit um, response. I like and to call him Colonel Mac Bloodthirsty Browning. He uh, just because he's the first thing he start, starts doing is shooting civilians. Andy's always like, I don't know if I trust this guy. <laughs> I don't know, man. I do trust him to kill civilians. <laughs> and under him, we have a returning character from our first year, Spitfire. Um, Jenny Swenson comes back and has been shilling for the CIA and uh, Third World uh, whatever um, things and is disgusted at having to bring her high firepower back to the U.S. And uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, seriously, so uh, we as the story um, moves between these three kind of narrators, the witness is um, the first there and the first to sort of see it from the inside. Um, the, the Then he starts to, as he looks around, he um, starts hallucinating or something with... Um, like imagining ghosts or surviving surviving spirits or maybe like a vengeful um something it's as if uh, a million voices cried out and the force were were uh, suddenly extinguished there you go nice <laughs> thank you good death star reference <laughs> um he uh, uh swears to investigate and track down ken as the instigator for this uh, Browning, um, you know, tries to seal up the area and sends the, um, military response to, to, um, hold, keep everyone out. And that's where he gets, uh, some like, uh, reporters in a helicopter shot down that they wouldn't listen to him. Um, he blows up at Spitfire when she comes back and wants to, um, do more reconnaissance to try to find uh, more kids, she, people she might be able to save. He wants just more data and they have a fight and she blows off, honestly. Can I interject one thing that just came to me and it just seems brilliant? <laughs> if the witness really had it out for Ken Connell, like if we hadn't sabotaged the character already and it was still kind of normal guy Ken Connell trying to pick up the pieces or whatever like that, it'd be funny if Ken could see the witness but none of Ken's girlfriends could in the future so he'd be just messing up his bedroom life <laughs> that'd be the ultimate way to get back at him <laughs> yeah it's actually yeah he uh, is that my 
movie or something where like a guy is constantly tag like there's a ghost of his friend who's like only he can see that sounds always like absolutely like a real movie but i can't place it yeah (laughs) yeah okay um yeah and spitfire herself in the armor goes down into the pit to investigate finds a family in a vw a very poor family i guess and uh manages to um fly them out of the pit um with as sort of an in, an initial uh data like shows you uh in this diagram at the end um 50 miles across you know 15 miles deep all this mm-hmm. stuff i did some calculations like I, it's not exactly 50 miles across but man whatever yeah, um a family with uh Two kids taking a road trip in a Volkswagen. They were probably happy to end it all. Like, Why did you rescue us? We were almost done. This horrible existence. Oh, yeah, we uh, we get the um, zone of death, like a five miles outside of that, that pit. Actually, it was all that uh, air being sucked in. And let me throw in, actually, again, like the weird quality of the pit event is that, like. It's completely not, it's just like gone. It's not blown up. It's not like knocked over or anything. It's gone, which is still sort of, I mean, you know, if you're a comic book reader, something like that suggests that it wasn't destroyed. It was sent somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Or changed somehow into mysterious pit slime or something so yeah it's that's you know i don't think we we get anywhere with that line of thought but you know if i were to do it that's certainly part of it you could Uh, send it into the the dream dimension right it could have been transported to justice's dimension I, I didn't tell you that one, did I? I? I was thinking, like, if, like, yeah, the pit goes to this other dimension and then it's like a thousand ye- there for a thousand years and that's Justice's um, society. Oh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, don't use my <laughs> copyright. Uh, yeah. Uh, New uh, Universe. That's a great podcast, idea. 2023. Yeah, they were like, I mean, they're human, so, you know, right. there's something related to us. But anyway, um, there's also a date discrepancy. In Starbrand, it was on December 19th, and the pit has it on December 22nd. Mm. Annoying. Um, it's a, uh, as a story, it's kind of, eh, it doesn't give you too much, and it doesn't really draw you in in the way that the um pit tie-ins dp7 and justice do and like you don't you feel like okay here's a disaster and i don't know it, that, that that's about it all you all you get um, it, it may in fact be like completely unnecessary to read you know like it's unfortunately you get the explosion in star brand right so i think i had rated that one it's like oh, the comic's not that great and i don't like what it was doing but then like you know what happened and then you got the tie-ins from dp7 and justice to kind of show you the basics and then maybe even some more details from dp7 later on you know like i, I think the pit is a horrible rating but it, it's skippable right like you don't really need to read it <laughs> My favorite uh, part is the diagram in the back. Mm, 
and to be able to make fun of Mac Browning. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mac, would Mac Browning work better as um, discount uh, Mark Hazard? I don't know. Um, <laughs> he might there's like. He might blaze a different trail of terror on the way to Moscow than uh, Lynn Griffin did, as he. I don't think I, I mentioned his energy on murdering the common people. <laughs> I don't think I mentioned the like. There's a uh, national security guy who pops up in Justice when he goes to investigate the pit, and I was like, "You have like three people in the new universe already." To fulfill this role, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe he didn't. They didn't like any of those other guys. It's. I mean, we'll see if we how much of more of Mac we see um, and these other guys. But like Edmund Roth, maybe he just had a heart attack at, somewhere between uh, right. the last few <laughs> issues of the Pit of uh, Spitfire. Um, no loss um yeah i don't know did i uh, we i guess we already gave grids to the pit yeah and what did that, we get? <laughs> i don't know it was c <laughs> or something yeah c minus c plus Depending actually i wrote mine down so oh, no i didn't write it down yeah i wrote it down for all the regular issues yeah it's it's a c it's okay it's it's yeah it doesn't uh skippable and while it's fine for what it is i mean we're not uh pushed ahead by it yeah yeah it's just like i was excited about it too because i was like hey this i've never read it you know learn more it's it's about the destruction of an entire city like that the premise sounds exciting written Being by here in the city, Burn. You, you do not you don't never see it like on the walls of the comic book shops here so I yeah. can see why. Yeah. Right. Um. So let's see. Thoughts overall. Any more um thoughts on the white event as the the explanation we got? I guess I was reasonably happy with it. I think it kind of makes sense. Um. I don't know that I needed or wanted an explanation for the white event in particular um i think it would be fine to just leave it mysterious honestly um but having it connected to the the most powerful thing in the universe kind of works yeah as far as um the star brand causes the white event the white event causes paranormality paranormality is kind of a weird way of tapping into this infinite power source that to me seems really good coherent um or at least i'm not sure like the way they execute it with the asteroid like, yeah is that in the asteroid belt or is that really close to earth i don't know right. um, or if i don't know if that matters too much but um yeah the white event explanation itself i think worked better than like the star brand backstory sort of explanation stuff you know like where the old man came from that was the opposite of an explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Wars is, you know, ruins the one thing that we always say, um, that like this the the new universe starts on July twenty second when this white event happens. Um, so having that be hundreds of years pre-dece- preceding 
that doesn't mean anything and it doesn't add anything so um that's yeah we don't really get what the star brand is we just know think that it's not an alien weapon or is it still (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's Um, the thing too like it's still so open-ended that it just makes it really unsatisfying like here's this extra layer of not that good on top of this mystery it's like okay no thanks so we've got kind of yeah one side of that was helpful or at least um consistent and one side was like where did this come from um justice's dreams i think we just discussed but it's um you know I think it was okay. brilliantly pulled off, though I'm not sure I wanted it. Well put, yes. Yeah. If there was a way to get around without it, I would also be happy um, with like the quality of writing. It it goes down easily. So. What did Webstrel even sacrifice his life for, man? I mean, come on. <laughs> Paranormals uh, go public in this uh season um star brand went public and uh possibly some of the others would have were thinking about it um there's there's more sort of general acceptance among the cia and everyone that was <laughs> kind of watching them in the first place uh, we don't really get that directly we get this sort of um references to it in the other books so uh, it makes sense that at some point people are aware of the paranormals. Right. Um, that they would necessarily entail you need to wear a costume and stand around in public with a mask so that everyone can try to see beneath your mask or something. Just kind of what they were making fun of him at the convention for. Now, if you're like just, yeah, wearing a mask and I don't know black clothes you fly in and out so fast that no one can see you but they're they're aware someone did something that would have been like a more i think real real world yeah and and we still haven't gotten maybe we will but just the idea that like the world doesn't know that there are all these paranormals out there it's kind of like x-men is always weakened by the fact that they have the whole marvel universe around them so like why is everybody so mad at the mutants kind of thing when like everybody has all these wacky cool powers but the mutated version is bad you know like we could have kind of had that with the paranormals in the new universe it's like okay well you know instead of just introducing a superhero you've got all right well people could have these paranormal powers right maybe i do and i don't know it you know maybe that's maybe my neighbor is brain controlling me like you know like the the public doesn't know that there's all these paranormals out there yet it seems but but that could have been sort of a more interesting uh, angle if we were you know seeing the new universe paranormals going public like actually paranormals not somebody pretending to be a superhero kind of thing yeah if you i mean even one going out the other paranormals pick up on it, but everyone else may think that's just a completely isolated incident. There's this one guy with powers. Oh, there's one guy. Okay. There's whatever, one in a million with powers. Oh, wait, there's like how many hundred in just the U.S. alone? Wait a second. Lots. Lots. 
And let's see, pit as an event. Uh, eh, you know, I mean, it's I don't discount the idea of having an event to shake things up. Um, I think we had we agreed the scale of it was a little over the top. Um, yeah. I don't know. You could have done the whole thing was just the Rod Stavow and Cyforce blowing up a building in San Francisco. Like that could start an international incident and out paranormals all at once. That's very true. Yeah. What, what do you need the pit for? Total pointless. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. We, uh, all of us, like post 9 11, uh, yeah, the, 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 idea that you need to go this big is yeah kind of yeah okay especially in a um, more grounded universe exactly and so was it necessary or not well we don't have the sales figures so we don't you know if if they needed to do something to shake up the line okay um it it doesn't need to be quite so targeted right uh, it could be done with a like a, a villain villain rather than like one of our heroes is just bonehead maneuver yeah that's a question though like has since besides crisis on infinite earths has there ever been a big comic shake-up event that has saved a line like has it ever made anything better like it just seems like it's almost always a bad idea at this point to to try these big hey this will draw some attention let's kill some people kind of things yeah, it almost would have, I mean, sometimes they'll start a line like that, you know, like the white event will be also the pit event and like, right. oh, oh, this horrible thing happened. But why? No, some of us have powers. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, you're right that like almost every imprint or something that's done a big thing like this, it, that's always like the sign of the end yeah like I the, think the ultimate the, the ultimate universe did that in comics like just everybody started brutally killing each other kind of thing and like some big weird crossover where they just axed a ton of their characters and it's just i think that, that was, was pretty much the end of that one terrible yeah yeah um so i don't know we 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 <laughs> we have our reservations about some of this but oh I don't we, we move on anyway <laughs> So yeah, I think that's it for this week. Um, and for our recap of New You Phase 3, um, next episode, we'll get back into it. Uh, pick up New Universe Season 4. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, first new look book of the line, Cyforce 19. And uh, unless we decide to change our minds in the interim, we'll be covering one book at a time. So no more seven-hour podcasts. Sorry. Um, for those of you who like to go to work in the morning with the podcast starting and then come home in the evening with it still playing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as long yeah. as you work a couple hours away, you're good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so af after the pit and tie-ins, several more changes coming to the line. Uh, no more cancellations, uh, but also no more new series. Uh, we get direct market distribution for in the comic book world. That means only sold in comic book stores uh price goes up more pages nicer paper uh no outside print ads though so no 
kind of the fun video game or Dungeons and Dragons ads I've been getting used to. Um, a tighter continuity and also dealing with still dealing with the aftermath of that world scale disaster, the pit caused by one of our formerly beloved hero characters. Um, and the logo seems to go away too. So yeah, they're harder to find in the bins. You gotta, you gotta know what you're looking for because it doesn't have that cool new universe logo across the top. Um, the cover dates can get a little questionable in the future, but that's probably not why you're tuning in. Um, because yeah, they're all direct market, so no news, no new, no more newsstand. We've lost it. Yeah, I was uh, always trying to to figure out. Marvel Age tells you like when the book shipped out, and then like two or three weeks later is when the the they're released on the newsstands, and I assume the comic book stores at the same time. But um, I think the distribution they have now or have done in the last couple decades of ups or fedex or something getting stuff out to the stores like immediately yeah um that didn't happen at the time so were the stores ahead of the newsstands or vice versa i don't know and we'll just try to keep them on in order um and when we like i said when we come back we'll hit cyforce number 19 Things look bad when the malevolent Medusa web traps half the Cyforce team in a San Diego shopping mall. But when the team decides to fight back, all of San Diego had better watch out. The Masada Defense is written by Fabian Nessieza and illustrated by Ron Lim. Direct sales only. Dollar twenty-five. Oh, That's outrageous. <laughs> Forget it. Uh, didn't we already get that episode where they fight the Medusa web in the mall? I don't know. Um... <laughs> This is the yeah. other half of Cyforce. What doesn't cost a dollar twenty-five is visiting www.kickersinc.com or emailing us newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Email is still free. For now. <laughs> um, yeah, for now. <laughs> this has been the voice of the new universe, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw away the duck. <laughs> it's your universe, idiot. <laughs> Nuke me with the new.